Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Good morning, everyone. We've spent the last nine weeks going through the Ten Commandments, and this is the last one today, and I'm coming to you with the first commandment. So let's just refresh and recap through the commandments together before I begin. So I think I have the scripture for that. Exodus 20, that's really small, I'm very sorry. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. So today we're going to focus on the first three verses. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. But first, I'm going to just tell you a little story. On a recent flight that I was on, and I should just state here first that I'm absolutely petrified of flying. I just want to claim that now. I'm scared. Before taking off, I was sat in my seat, and I got my seatbelt fastened, and I made sure it was extra tight just to be safe because it was going to make all the difference if it crashes, isn't it? (laughs) And I'm sat there, and I'm fully clenched, and my palms are swaying, kind of like now. And I've got my headphones in, and I'm trying to distract myself with a podcast from the imminent doom that I was sure was about to happen. We approached the start of the runway, and we stood idle, waiting for our turn to take off, and our attendants are going through all the safety checks. And my mind is just running and running and running with all sorts of anxious thoughts. Sheer panic, actually. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know the drill. I'm paying no attention to the podcast that's going on in my ear. I'm like, what is that even going on about? And then the plane starts to move, and I'm tense. We're at the start of the run- runway, and I can hear the roar of the engines as they start to fire up. And I'm thinking, oh no, there's no going back now. This whole situation is out of my hands. I am on about a flight, I'll just clarify that. And the only thing I can do, and the only thing I want to do, is pray. I'm really scared and terrified, and I just want Father God to comfort me. So I just start praising God and declaring all his goodness. I start stating everything that I'm thankful for. And then the song pops in my head. Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. Does anyone else know that song? And in that moment, whilst I was praising God, he reassured me that he had complete control. And no matter what happened, I had complete confidence that God had a plan for me and my family. And if in that plan, the plane was going down, then so be it. So it just felt a bit dramatic. I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to continue to give all my praises now. I'm confident I have a place in heaven with you because I've declared Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in him, etc., etc. And if we're about to meet, then I'm okay with that. And if we're not, I'm going to be an extra good Christian when we get off this plane. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. It's not just me that makes promises on flights, is it? And then we take off. And I just feel this overwhelming comfort and peace knowing that we're all going to be okay and land safely, 
or we're all going to be okay and meet Jesus. Might have been overthinking a little bit there. So whilst I'm solidly here on the ground now, I can laugh about my dramaticness, but fear was a real thing then. And there was turbulence too, I'll add, and I got through that. And then it occurred to me, when we were safely in the air, that in that moment of absolute fear, when I was feeling so vulnerable, I had the gift of calling upon the Lord to comfort me and reassure me, and he really did. And then I felt really bad, and I felt really guilty. When did I last enter into 100% focus on him, where I wasn't distracted by anything else? Does it take a plane takeoff for me to go to that deep, uninterrupted connection? In that moment, he was the only thing on my mind, the only thing I wanted on my mind. I wanted him to be my sole focus. Everything else around me was irrelevant. I didn't care what was happening on social media. I didn't care how my hair looked. I didn't care what my next meal was going to be. And if you know me, that's a big deal. I just wanted it to be God and me. But God is a God who wants us to always think of him first, right? God wants those moments all the time, not just restricted to our moments of fear or desperation. God wants our full attention, and he wants to be prioritized. I'm just going to grab a drink. Sorry. So we're cruising in the air, and I'm writing all this down. Oh, this is great. I've had an experience, if I can call it that. And I just look up, and I glance out the window. And to the left, I can see the land beneath us. Thousands and thousands of little lights scattered across the land, like little specks of sand. And I can't make anything out of detail, just this vast mass of land. And then I look to the right, and the sun is setting in that moment. And if you've ever watched the sunset from a plane, it's quite breathtaking. And I just sat there in absolute wonder and marvel at God's creation and the sheer vastness of it, the beauty of it, the creativity of it, the balance of it, the power of it. And then my mind starts going, like the view from where I am now and what I can see out of these tiny little windows, imagine how much God can see all over the world all the time. And he doesn't, just doesn't see the specks. He sees the details, the little details. And he's everywhere all the time. There's just so much that you can't comprehend in our minds that it's just so overwhelming. So today, we're going to talk about priorities and how to live by priorities. So first, I just want to take a look at who God is. So my first point about God is God the creator. So the Bible tells us that God created everything. He hung every star in the sky. He hung every planet in its place. He placed the earth the exact distance from the sun for life to thrive on our planet. The exact distance that we're not too hot, we're not too cold. The orbit that we get to enjoy the seasons of the year. We orbit around the sun, which gives us light and warmth. Gravity, which holds us in place, but not too little that we go floating off. Can you imagine that? Intelligent design is behind all of it. God's intelligent design. So let's just take a little look at some of God's handiwork and some of his intelligent designs to really grasp some. It's a small bit of creativeness here. So let's look at reproduction. Every single living creature on this planet can reproduce according to its kind. Let's look at the human being. The woman carries the egg, the male carries the sperm, and they meet, then life happens. A baby is created, just like that. 
I saw this clip online a few months ago, and it's one of those videos that really stick with, well, it really stuck, stuck with me. So just have a look at this clip. This is the moment that sperm fertilizes the egg. When I first saw that clip, I did, I went all goosey. Isn't that extraordinary? Just play it again. At the moment of conception, light happens and life happens. That in itself is a miracle. Some say that's the moment when a soul enters the baby's body. But the Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. The first thing God created was light. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. There's no coincidence that life, light happens when life happens. How babies grow and are formed in all their complexities. It's all God. It says in Psalm 139, God knits us together in our mother's womb. Life in itself is miraculous. Fingerprints. No two fingerprints are the same, not even twins' fingerprints. No one has ever found two which are the same. They have similarities, but every single person on the planet has their own unique identity just for them. And I checked this figure online, and apparently there's been 117 billion human beings so far. And I don't know how accurate that is, but we know that it's got to be a lot of people. And each person has their own unique prints, their own unique identity. That's how much God cares about us. He cares about the little details, even in our fingertips. And our fingertips, which also have 3,000 nerve receptors in just one fingertip. And just like, wow. The same for our DNA. We each have our own unique DNA. DNA is so complex, humans have never been able to recreate it. Billions and billions of pounds have been spent studying its complexities, and there's still things we don't understand about it. But God does. We are <coughs> designed and created in God's image. And it just proves we're designed to be different, each with our own part to play. Even our gifts and talents are all unique. So when the Bible talks about the body of Christ and us each having our part to play, this has been God's intentions from the very beginning. The human brain runs on electricity, which I think is really cool, and it has the capacity to light a, um, a light bulb. I just think that's really cool. The blood vessels that are present in the, in the brain are 100,000 miles in length, and that could go around the earth four times, in, just in our brains. And there are 100 billion neurons present in the brain. It stores memories, it controls movements, allows us to think, to see, to feel emotions. If this is just our brain, imagine God's brain. I just can't even begin to fathom it. So away from humans, this is my last one. Take this tiny little acorn here in my hand. Inside this tiny little acorn is a potential to turn into a gigantic oak tree. Inside this, this tiny little thing. In the right environment, it can be what God intended it to be. If God can turn something like this into so much more with the right light, soil, nutrients, what can he do with us if we set up our environments right? If we follow his plans for us, if we let him take control? Kind of makes you think, right? Think about crops, plants, photosynthesis, the tides in the ocean, the caterpillars transforming to butterflies. Like, you could go on and on and on, couldn't you? And it does get me all excited, but I will... I will move on before I do a whole print on creativity. 
My point is, our God speaks life into existence. Complex, beautiful life. He speaks and things happen. So Genesis chapter 1, I'll put it up on the screen, but I'm just going to abbreviate it. Verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, God said, let there be a vault between the water to separate water from water. Verse 9, and God said, let there be water under the sky and gather it in one place. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky. So we've got sun, moon, and stars. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and birds that fly. 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and this will be yours for food. And God saw everything that he was made, and it was very good. God spoke these things into existence. Sometimes I would like to speak things into existence. Sarah spoke, and the house was clean. Sarah spoke, there appeared a coffee, and ooh, tacos. How can you not read through that and not just reflect and worship on his awesomeness? He spoke, and a planet came into existence. I mean, this is our God. He gave us everything and gives us everything we need and more. J. John words it like this. He's one who's both powerful enough to create vast star systems, but also delicate enough to make a butterfly's wing. All the rhythms of days and seasons, all the cycles of life with their complex interdependency that we will never get to the bottom of, they are all God's handiwork. It's so powerful, right? So that was God the creator. Next. Our God is a God who reveals himself. All throughout the Bible, God has revealed himself to various people. First, in the beginning, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He spoke to them and gave them instructions. And he appeared to them and walked with them. Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden with them. Then God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And then again, when he gave him these commandments. God came down for that moment. I'll just read this section, which comes right after the commandments. So Exodus 20, verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. I just love the whole dramatic entrance of it. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. And then the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Imagine being there and hearing the trumpet sounding and seeing all the smoke and the thunder and lightning, knowing that God is right there. Oh, that's where he was. He came down for it. God revealed himself in that moment and gave Moses those instructions. He also revealed himself to Noah in Genesis 6 when he gave the instructions for the ark. He revealed himself and spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and Samuel in 1 Samuel. I could quote so many times that God spoke and revealed himself to people throughout the Bible. The point I'm trying to make is God could have just created the earth and remained in heaven on his throne. He would have been this distant mystery, someone or something 
We didn't know for certain was there or behind everything there was and is. But he didn't. He chose to come down and reveal himself to us. He gave us his name as I am or the Lord or Yahweh, a name under which he makes and keeps promises to us, to the human race. He came to instruct us and direct us, not because he's a control freak, but because he has a better plan and purpose for us. He continually now still reveals himself through the Bible, which he also gifted to us. And we mustn't take that for granted. It's the written word of God. So God the creator, God who reveals himself. And thirdly, our God is a God who saves. He's our redeemer. God first saved in the Bible when he saved Moses. When he saved his life from certain death. When Jochebed Moses' mum placed him in that basket, it was no coincidence that the basket fell into the hands of Pharaoh's daughter. The daughter of the Pharaoh actually gave the command for all the Hebrew children to be drowned in the first place. And then God used him to save all the enslaved Israelites from the Egyptian power. And then he used them again for this moment in the commandments. God saved the Israelites by bringing them out of Egypt and slavery. slavery sorry. And then he reminds them of that in the first commandment. God saved Noah and his family from the flood, albeit a flood they sent, but he had compassion on Noah and favored him. God promised never to do it again, and he never has. And he gave us the rainbow to remind us of that promise. He saved Daniel from the lion's den. He saved Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, or in the fiery furnace, because he was in there with them. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be born as fully human and fully God, to be sacrificed so that we could be saved from our sin and eternity in hell. Our God is a God of second chances and third and fourths. Think about the story of Jonah. These things I've spoken about are such a small example of God and who he is and what he does. He is more and does more than we could ever imagine. So the point of the commandments is about getting right with God. If you follow the commandments 2 through to 10 and miss the first one, then you're kind of missing the whole point. God is the thing that holds them all together. He's behind them all. He's the master of the universe. He's the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. He knows all things. So we have to trust that he knows what's best for us and what rules we should follow. So we have God the creator, God reveals himself, and God who saves. But God is a God who deserves to be prioritized. So how do we live by priorities? First, we need to review our lives. J. John says this. We need to imagine our life is like a car. Where is God? If, is he actually in the car with you? Where is he positioned if he is? You may feel like he's there, but you try to hide him. Maybe he's in the boot of the car. It might be that he's in the back seat like a passenger, or in the front seat like a companion or a friend. Or is he, as he should be, in the driving seat? But if he is in the driving seat, are you the back seat driver instructing him where to go? Jesus will settle for no other place than one in which he takes full control in the driving seat of our lives. That's what we mean when we call him Lord, because we do all the time. We refer to God as our Lord. And the definition of Lord is for rulers of heavenly and earthly people, such as God. So if we call him Lord, that means that we are acknowledging him as ruler of our lives. But do we mean it when we say it? 
Or is it just one of those words we say? Jesus must be resident and president of our lives. Resident and president. We need him to be in all we do and let him be in charge. And to make this happen, we do need to do a stock take of our lives. Can we go through all those commandments that we've spoken about in the last few weeks and check them all off that we're following them? Because they're not rules for us to follow like in a dictator relationship. But we choose to follow them because God, rather than staying in the dark, he chose to give us these instructions so that we can be the people we were made to be. He gave them to us because he loves us and because he has a plan for us. And he loves us not because we've earned it, but because he created us. He filled us with an infinite... He is filled with an infinite measure of holy, pure, and indescribable love for us. He sent his son to die for us. He wants the best for us. And I just think that's really lovely. Secondly, we need to give him our time. I know I preached around this a bit last time. But it's such an important way in which we prioritize God in our lives. We need to set time aside that's just for God. That is 100% focused on him with no distractions. If I go back to my plain story from the start, in my moment of fear and panic, there was nothing that could have distracted me from God in that moment. It was fully me and him. And now at home... I wake up really early with his intention of spending time with God. But I do find myself getting a bit distracted by other things. Like I come down, I go to make a coffee first. And then I look and think, oh, just do these dishes so they don't distract me whilst I'm reading. But while I do that, I'll just put a wash load on. So it's finished before I go to work to put in the dryer. Oh, the dryer's full. I'll just fill these washing quickly. Now I'm ready to read. I'll just make a quick coffee and I'll sit down and and then I'll go to open the Bible. Oh, I've pressed Instagram. Oops. Let's just have a little look what everyone's been up to. And before I know it, that time that I've set aside for God in the morning is gone. Yeah. It's been spent yeah. on something else and something that's less important. Yeah, I've got some housework done. <clears throat> but I've missed that time with God. I missed what he had to say to me that day or in that moment. I think, oh, I'm so busy just not had any time for God today but the screen time app on my phone says I've been on Instagram for two hours I found time to watch a new TV series I've kept my fantasy football team up to date but I've not spent five minutes today with God how can I fathom that the time we plan to spend with God is always the time that we feel is easiest to compromise for other things we will always be busy We will always have stuff to do. There will always be distractions and things to fill our time with. So let's split our daily time schedule up. We all have 24 hours in a day, right? Say we've got a 9 to 5 job, for example. I know we all work different shifts. Always stay at home with the kids. Just hear me out. These are just the the bones of the day, the structure. So 6.30, I've set some time aside for God time. That's great, yeah. Going to have breakfast at 7, shower and dress for half 7. Take the kids to school, go to work, have my lunch break, come home, make dinner, have the evening activities, and then it's bedtime. If we change or add anything else to the schedule, which areas become compromised to allow for that other stuff? Say we wanted to have some me time, 
and watch a movie once the kids are in bed. So we end up staying up later. What happens then is we don't wake up as early as we should because we're tired. But we've still, still got to do those other things in the morning. We still have to get breakfast. We still have to take a shower because they're the priority before we go to work, right? So the God time becomes compromised, forgotten about. If you plan to have Bible time in the evening, but you've just been invited out with friends, our traffic was bad, something came up, oh, I didn't get time to do those jobs I needed to do. I've just not got time tonight to read my Bible. But I've had time to send all my mates loads of reels on Instagram. That made it in there. I'll just do those jobs in the morning, or at the weekend, when I'm supposed to be taking a Sabbath. Another one. Oh, it's such a lovely day today. Why don't we skip church and go for a picnic instead? You get a text through on your phone. Oh, there's a worship evening tonight. That sounds like a great time to spend with God. Oh, I've had such a busy week. I'm really tired. I'm just going to stay at home tonight and relax. I deserve it. I just haven't got the time. But then a mate texts you. Fancy a cheeky pipe down the pub. That doesn't count, does it? Do you see how time can be compromised? We think of that time with God as a time that's expendable and not a priority. But that's where we are so wrong. Would you compromise eating and drinking? If you're really busy, you may miss a meal. But you wouldn't miss a meal every day. And you wouldn't not have a drink because you know how important it is. Eating and drinking is essential So we prioritize our meals so our bodies stay healthy. But we also need to spend time with God to stay spiritually healthy and stay connected with him. We can always find excuses why we didn't have time for God that day. But we each have the same amount of time to spend. Does God not deserve for you to spend some of your time with him each day as a priority? Even just 10 minutes at the start of the day of the 1,440 minutes we have every day? When you put it like that, it's hard to think of a reason why you don't do it, right? Just imagine this scenario from God's perspective, right? You've arranged to get up early and spend half an hour with him in the morning. And God's like, okay, we're meeting for half an hour in the morning. We're going to have coffee. We're going to have Bible. We're going to catch up. We're going to have a chat. We're going to encourage each other. I can't wait for what I'm going to share with him today. Morning comes. He's checking his clock. 6.30. They said they'd be here. Oh, they're busy. They've had a better offer. Maybe next time. What if God viewed us that same way? Expendable. We need to recognize and acknowledge who God is. God is the creator of the whole universe. He is the architect, the author of the world and humanity. His son Jesus is the light of the world, our savior. God is a God who reveals himself and speaks to us when he doesn't have to. God is a God who makes no mistakes, he keeps his promises, and we can be certain that we can trust him to have control of our lives and be in the driver's seat. He doesn't need to do that, but he does. He's chosen to, and he's chosen you to have the relationship with. We need to acknowledge that God isn't a a God who will be put up with being kept in a little compartment named spiritual, only kept for Sundays. He isn't a one day a week special occasion God kept for weddings, funerals, Sundays, off lights. 
He is a 24-7, 365 day a year God. He deserves to be priority. When we plan to spend time with him, we need to show up. We need to show up for God. And when we show up, we need to not be distracted. We need to fully focus on him and give him our full attention. It's just so important. J. John says, giving God the number one spot in our lives is not us doing him a favor. It is us recognizing the position that is rightfully his. We need to make him our priority. So the Bible has many verses pointing us to focus on God. So we just need to take a note of those. And I'm just going to read a few to close. Matthew 6. But first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Luke 12. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters, five or he... He will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. All your heart and all your soul. Colossians 3, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things on earth. 1 Timothy, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Matthew 22, Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So what are your priorities? I'm just going to pray to close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the God of creation. You are the God who speaks and things happen. You are the God who speaks to us. You are the God who still saves and is still saving today. So Lord, help us to prioritize you in our lives, to seek more of you. Help us not be distracted by the business we call our lives, but rather we build our lives around you first as a priority, that we seek the plans you have for us and we let you take the driver's seat. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.